Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Base Weight, the outdoor podcast about the things we carry. I'm your host, Shannon, and this week on the podcast, we're talking with Abby Barnes of Spend More Time in the Wild. Abby is a filmmaker, certified mountain leader, diver, and personal trainer, public speaker, and YouTuber probably best known for her beautiful hiking videos and full-length feature films of her adventures in many of the world's most beautiful places. Her honest and joyful reactions to her surroundings, as well as her willingness to share the raw and difficult moments, have made her a beloved favorite of many. But Abby is much more than your average YouTube personality. She's a force for change. Before the age of 20, she'd shot her first short film, placed in a national competition with said film, won a David Attenborough Award for another film, spoke in front of Parliament, started her own production company, summited Kilimanjaro, and became a voice for climate change, all while battling crippling chronic mental and physical pain. If you check out the About section on her website, which I'll include in the show notes below, and scroll to the section that covers the awards and recognition she's garnered, it's no wonder that she's becoming more and more recognizable as a force to be reckoned with in the outdoor space. I'm absolutely over the moon to have her on the podcast today. Abby, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to spend this time with you. Yay! I have to admit, I am fangirling a little bit here. You've been a fixture in my home for quite a few years now. I've watched a lot of your films. Um, I especially zeroed in on your West Highland Way and Great Glenway videos in the lead-up to my own hikes of those trails. So thank you so much for doing those. Pleasure. Have you done the hikes already? I have done the hikes. I did them back to back as I think you did as well. Yes, absolutely. They're, they're fantastic walks, aren't they? They are fantastic walks. I did them last summer in April to May. So it was beautiful. Nice time to what time of year did you do it? Uh, I think I did mine in June, but a uh, new film that was shot in 2022. I went back and did it the West Island Way for a third time, and that was shot in April. And I have to say, I sort of fell in love with, with Scotland. Uh, sort of yes. that time of year it's just quieter it calls a bit of something about so uh, yeah highly recommend that time of year. can you tell us about spend more time in the wild and how that began yeah sure no problem um so spend more time in the wild is a continual evolution in progress um so basically i started my own production company called song thrush productions when i was younger sort of around 13 14 and I was making promotional films for different companies. I basically just knew I wanted to be in the media scene. Um, but I think when you're a natural storyteller, um, it can be all very well sort of telling other people's stories, but there's something within you that just calls you to tell your own. And uh, I was particularly getting into hiking and, and backpacking sort of the multi-day trips where you carry all your clobber on your back. Um, and I decided to start filming those, and that was still all under the banner of Songthrush Productions. But there was a point in 2016, 2017, where I was sort of becoming more and more aware of my own mental health, um, sort of off the back of leaving college, uh, where I'd sort of learned the language of mental health, if that makes sense, sort of with the support yeah. that I had. Um, you know, the nurses and the people I was working with were telling me, like, listen, it sounds like you're struggling with this, that, or the other. Um, yeah. which I had no idea about because um, it was just, you know, crack on and survive sort of thing. Um, and mm -hmm. so when I was out on these trails, sort of 2016, 17, I decided to turn the camera on myself and start to talk a little bit about what I was feeling. Um, and it's very hard for me to pinpoint the exact birth 
time of wild but really the conception was beginning then because you know wild is all about storytelling and it's all about bringing people together through connection of the outdoors and mental and physical health so it was by 2018 that I was officially running wild uh, on the back of that I was sort of operating as a personal trainer and it was 2018 into 2019 that I made that transition into running this thing full time what is this thing that's the question I get asked it's a difficult uh, question for me to answer because as I say it's it's sort of an initiative is the word I'm using now um, I was originally saying organization but it is an initiative to uh, to achieve these goals of bringing people together connecting with nature through sort of storytelling um, and nowadays it's uh, it's an international network of people all sharing that passion connecting through um, you know our, our love of the outdoors and wild spaces um, and uh, I can just say in summary it's going very well and I love it and this is my job now <laughs> that is so awesome and what a great job that is it's not bad at all. It keeps me busy. No. It keeps me on my toes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can imagine with all that you do. Um, as someone who deals with chronic physical pain, as well as mental health issues myself, um, your videos have not only been educational and entertaining, but also relatable. Um, I think that many people tend to romanticize going out into nature and have these grand adventures. And I appreciate your bravery in sharing the hard things. Um, especially when a lot of people just want to see the prettier side of social media and, and films and, and things like that. Was the decision to share your struggle something that you wrestled with? Um, I love this question because it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's black and white. Um, you know, right. every story I put out shares a little bit more of me and my story and my life. You know, every film has a theme because uh, that's just the way I sort of construct them. There's always a lesson for people to take them away. So I sort of see it almost as a storybook, this archive of trails, particularly the documentaries, the longer films. Um, yeah. If you watch them all in succession, which is a lot of sitting down and watching films, I understand. I would say sort of every film I put out, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm so strictly editing them. Because the beauty of YouTube is obviously you can create a film of any length. There's no right. sort of broadcast slot to fit into. But the, it's these longer films that actually tend to be the most popular on my channel. So I don't skimp um, when it comes to putting a film out that's two and a half, three hours long. Because uh, yeah. if there's content to be shared that I think can help, I'm not going to go, ah, that doesn't fit, delete. But, you know, what viewers don't see is the other 18 hours of footage that I've chopped away to create a two and a half hour film. That's where reality can hit home for me is, you know, there's some very heartfelt footage that I take from the trail that actually doesn't tend to make or doesn't always make the finished piece because I just think it's a bit too close to the bone or, you know, it's yeah. it's just a bit too raw for me to actually want to put out there. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, as, as a creator, it's always a grapple between like how much of my personal life do I want to share? Um, you know, exactly. it's understandable a lot of mental health come illnesses and struggles can come from sort of trauma but I've never openly talked about oh this is what's happened and this is why I struggle so I have no issue with sort of showing raw emotion um but I think it's it's that detail that I sometimes dabble with how much I would like to put out there um and then inevitably there's a bit of a vulnerability hangover but I wouldn't say that's necessarily purely down to the fact that I'm sharing my struggles it's also because I'm sharing my life 
um you know these yeah. films are yes they're edited and cut down but they are as raw as it possibly gets like that iceland film um, uh, sorry the iceland film i most recently released following my journey along the lubavega last summer um it's doing exceptionally well but there's always that the moment one. where your heart's in your mouth thank you um where mm. it gets published and then you're like right don't look at the computer for a couple of days and let's just see um and then inevitably you're like checking whilst you're just in between doing something and then it's it's generally a very um vulnerable place to be in i think putting stuff out into the world but it's it's honestly i, I don't feel there's anything else i can do this is for me this is my higher calling and it's my job to keep finding the courage to step up and be able to take people by the hand through the medium of film that's awesome my reason for starting this podcast was to highlight the connection between the outdoors and mental health um while you can find you can find video after video on gear lists there really isn't a lot out there on the mental side of adventuring what we carry out there with us mentally isn't talked about nearly as much as gear and all that fun stuff um but it's just as important i mean the right gear can be critical to our survival out there but so is our mental and physical health on an emotional level what is your base weight what do you carry with you each and every time you go out on a trek i love this concept like when you when you got in touch and i sort of dug a little bit deeper i was just there like grinning to myself like this man this is good you know i'm all about the metaphors and uh I think this is something so graspable and it's so true. You know, people yeah. obsess about, right, how can I get my pack weight down? And some of the questions, one of the questions was, what are the obstacles for you to get out onto right. the trail? And so I always pack too much. And um, then knowing I was doing this podcast today, I'm just smiling like, yeah, this is this is good. Um, so just hats off to you, because uh, I think it's Thank a fantastic you. thing that you're doing here. Um so for me and my base weight, I think something I can share, sort of playing on the theme of what we just talked about, is mm-hmm. I carry a lot of weight on my shoulders with regards to expectation. So it's one thing going out and doing one of these hikes for a personal reason, uh, just, you know, oh, I need to go and have some thinking space. I'm going to go hike the coast to coast for two weeks and just be in my own bubble. But when I do these hikes, it's work. Um, it's not a holiday for me you know it's it's very very psychologically and physically intense you know I'm going backwards and forwards for the camera shots I'm constantly building a script in my head Um, I'm constantly dicing with how much do I want to share and I think over the journey of building my channel up to this point you know I've been exposed to some not very pleasant individuals who have had not very pleasant things to say Um, and everybody has got something to say about what I put out there um whether it's positive or negative in regards to criticism and I think you know there have been parts of times in my journey where I've been where I've worn my heart on my sleeve because that's my character um but it's left me very exposed to those judgments and that criticism so that when I'm out on these shoots sometimes all I can hear is these people with their comments say oh it's too much of you in this shot or there's too much of the nature in this shot or you're talking too fast you're talking too slow or the film's too long the film's too short and it's just I completely lose my creative flow and quite simply myself um and it's it's a film that's not yet released uh but the Hebridean Way is a trail that sort of crosses the length of the outer Hebrides in Scotland and that was a trail the penultimate trail I did last year in 2022 and honestly it was it was horrendous (laughs) 
um, no. sort of the year had built up with uh, all of these these voices in my head um, of what I was doing, why I was doing it. And I feel the other thing as well as a creator is something I really wrestle with is almost feeling like I've been plugged into a race I never really signed up for. You know, it's a race of numbers. It's a race of doing the most popular trails before somebody else does. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is not why I started this thing. But the truth is, you yeah. know, as soon as your your hobby becomes your job in this sense, you sign up for this to a degree. Um, you know, and my wonderful, wonderful Patreon community are often saying, like, listen, just take some time out, step back. But I don't know how to do that because, you know, the times that I have done that, such as during my big cycle in 2021 called Abbey Bike Twitter, yes. and that was two months on the go. Social media and that sort of thing got a little bit neglected. And it's taken over a year to get things back up and running again with regards to engagement. Mm. So you you suffer if you step back. Um, and it's almost like, is it worth pressing on or is it worth, you know, it's like, it's trying to die some, like no one teaches you this stuff. You're yeah. making it up completely by yourself. Yeah. So one of the things I, I'm, I'm hoping to do, I mean, this is yet rolling forward, but as a, as my film evolves is to actually get in touch with the Hebridean Way Trail organizers and see if there's a way we can set up a bit of a GoFundMe, help get a few more signposts up and stuff. But it is, uh, That'd be great. Honestly, like I would go back and cycle it in a heartbeat. And um, that was the first trail I, I, I was so, I was very unhappy on it. And uh, I've spoken Aww. with several other folks since then. Um, and everyone wants to go back to the Hebrides because for the consistent theme is that that's, walking is not the best way to experience the beauty of that place. Uh, so bike, bike's going to be good. I'm excited for you. I'm feeling better about my decision. <laughs> good. <laughs> feeling a little better. Um, what do you do to prepare for a project or upcoming adventure? Like I am also a personal trainer, so I, I, you know, try to gear my workouts to that kind of thing. Um, do you have a specific way that you go about things in the lead up to heading out on a trek? Yeah, no, I love this. Um, I feel training is a word that comes with a lot of negative connotation when it comes to trail preparation. Um, but I really, I'm very passionate about um, helping people prepare for the trail and therefore setting up not just for success, but comfort when you're out there because you've got that innate physical fitness. I am a little bit crazy in a sense that I just have to move a lot. Like uh, physically, I have a lot of energy um, and mm -hmm. moving every day is, a, is, is, is 60, 70% of my maximum load. And, you know, I endeavor to do quite a, a consistent load of sets with that and just basically get my, mm -hmm. my muscles to a fatigue level um, without completely burning out because it's about being able to, to keep that going day after day sustain it um absolutely yeah and and where we live here on Exmoor National Park it is ridiculously hilly um so that naturally gets my legs working when I'm out cycling every day um and so you know what I really try and isolate out on is my core so not just you know that that front frontal trunk section but the side cores particularly the obliques because you know mm -hmm. Yeah, the oblique and then the lower back because all of that sort of taking the great strain of the backpack throughout um, the hiking season. Um, I work on my shoulders and that's more to do with my personal injury where it is. I'm just constantly trying to just gently build up bits of muscle there um, yeah. to help stabilize the nerves. I work on my hips because, you know, again, the hips are working really hard when we're walking day after day. And that's sort of going to help if you sort of think up towards the body. If your hips are stable, your core is going to be stable, your um, shoulders and upper body is going to be stable. And then I work on my legs. Um, 
so naturally I sort of I, I strive for power through my legs um you know your quadriceps are broken into four different muscles and you know I really endeavor to hit all of those when I do sort of leg training um it is predominantly body weight because that's something I can take with me anywhere um but yeah, yeah hopefully that gives you a rough overview but generally it's yes. about having fun um and just getting outside and doing stuff that I like to do um but it's I suppose the other thing I could say as well is I started doing a bit of um sort of hill repeats. I used to be a runner, I'm not anymore, like <laughs> consciously not. But I really strive to to build my lung capacity and my heart health yeah. as well. I think, you know, it's it's easy to forget that our heart is a muscle that needs training as well. When you're yomping up and down the Alps of twenty two kilograms on your back, you need a strong yes. heart and lungs. So, you know, I, I I try and sweat and get my heart rate up every day as well. So um yeah, that's that's that really. I think that my biggest mistake in training, um, well, I made two mistakes. Um, I was in competition prep at the time that I went over there. My coach thought it would be a great fat loss tool. (laughs) She was right. (laughs) She was right. Uh, And mistake number two was that I did not train near enough cardio. And I live in Florida and we don't have hills. So I did the best that I could treadmill incline stair master you know all the things um whatever cardio i felt i could do but i was quite surprised um when i got over there and hit conic hill that was my first you know big oh boy <laughs> moment when i hit conic hill and went oh i i'm in trouble here what am i going to do <laughs> it was the first time the wind was knocked out of my sails like so badly that i did have like a breakdown that night going what the hell have I gotten into? Oh, so and you have the Loch Lomond after that, which <laughs> knocks you And then Loch Lomond. Yeah, I actually yeah. before I did the first part of Loch Lomond and then was having tachycardic uh issues. I couldn't get my heart rate to come down. Um, even overnight, it was really, really high. So I ended up having to um take uh take a day and let it all calm down. And I was really, it was just so demoralizing because I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the best shape of my life. Yet I failed to prepare for the the hills and the, the, the cardio that I would need. I just, I'm not a cardio fan. I do it because I have to, um, yeah. but I'm definitely going to correct that before I go, especially if I'm going to be cycling. Well, you know, they yeah. say the best way to train for what you want to do is to do what you want to do. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's going to, everything's going to help get those legs spinning. And as you know, we've sort of got our fast twitch and our slow twitch muscle fibers. And when it comes to these endurance trips, you know, that that's one of the things I love about hiking, hiking and cycling. Hiking and cycling. Hiking. Is, uh, exactly. You know, you, both of those groups are being used. You're, mm-hmm. you're a very well-rounded athlete when it comes to these things, because you know you're cycling along nice and steady nice and flat there's not a lot of that on the antiquities um and then uh you know that's your slow twitch and then boom incline and you're straight into those fast twitch you've almost got that sprint um so yeah i would just say keep getting out on the bike and uh, for me you know obviously yes we can talk about our trips but anybody else who's listening it i think we don't need to punish ourselves when it comes to training find things that you love to do uh, you know, and, and that puts a smile on your face. You know, if you want to cycle to the local cafe and try and incorporate movement into your day-to-day life, I, I think we can all do those things. We just actually have to choose to be in control of our time and our intention. Absolutely. Um, I want to kind of turn it to the pandemic for a moment. 
how that kind of affected all the things. Um, I think that one good thing that came out of the pandemic was to shake folks up a little bit and force them into taking a hard look at their lives and the ways in which they were living them. Um, it made going outside something that many people did for the first time. Um, but as a result of of all of that, the public lands were flooded with a lot of people who really did not understand the principles of leave no trace. I think that the rules about going out were stricter for you guys in the UK, I believe, than it was here. We were kind of like the wild, wild west over here, kind of Americans don't like to be told what to do. So um, can you tell me a little bit about It's really true. Can you tell me a little bit about that whole experience, um, how it was for you guys over in the UK and how have things become stricter over there since COVID? Well, I have to be honest, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this um, because we have an interesting story that that uh, sort of unfolded from 2020 and the first pandemic. So we were essentially homeless um, during the first part or the first lockdown. Uh, and my partner is German. Um, and so we were within the COVID rules and regulations. We were actually able to travel down to Germany. Uh, we spent a fair part of the first lockdown in the Alps uh, and then down in Italy as well. Um, and so we sort of evaded uh, the first part, the first hit, the first wave here. Um, then we moved into this place on the edge of Exmoor National Park uh, towards the end of 2020. So it was for me, or for us rather, sort of that, that second wave that hit sort of April 2021. Well, that actually, I think April is when we were allowed out. Um, so, you know, other than when we go shopping, we were very separate from the pandemic. Um, we consciously choose not to watch the news. Uh, my family are very involved with the news, so I guess it will for our family chats. Um, but that's that's yeah. been something I've I've done for the last sort of six, six seven years, and it's uh, I've never missed anything major in the news. Um, but it certainly helped my mental health not being surrounded by every single day. Um, yeah. So you know, we consciously chose to step back from it. Um, yeah, and it, it, you know, being out again out here in Exmoor, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say. I mean, I, I may get repercussions from this, I may not, but you know, I didn't adhere to the guidelines. I went out as much as I ever wanted to go out because, for me, you know, it's like okay, COVID could kill me, or not moving could kill me. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah. it was that. I'm sorry, one of those is much bigger risk than the other for me, and and that sort of thing. I was very, very careful with my family. You know, I didn't involve anybody else in my decisions um it was purely just me taking space for myself uh, me and my partner in our little bubble but um you know I, I would say it's it was just heartbreaking just absolute heartbreaking to yeah. hear how people's rights for access were taken away and the fact that people were almost spying on each other and pointing people out and you know yeah. then the lack of talking about the mental health and that's still only just coming out now um, you know, I was still in a very mentally vulnerable place myself, very still very early on in this sort of self-discovery understanding thing. But, you know, I knew that this thing was wrong. And so, you know, I tried to do my part as an influencer, if we're sticking with that phrase. Um, so I set up uh, A Million Miles for Minds as an online initiative to get people outside logging yeah. their miles on the platform um, to bring people together to the shared goal. And part of that was a forest of hope so people would draw a tree and stick it in their window so that those walking past would see that they were being thought of with regards to their mental health um never mind physical health you know and then the yeah. other thing was the great garden camp out i set that up as well 
uh, which is something I'm, I'm fingers crossed going to bring back this year. Basically, oh, just good. people getting camp- out camping in their gardens or forts in the living rooms. And, you know, it was difficult because I didn't have the capacity myself to share it as far and wide as I could. But still having a few thousand people was still something. Um, and I, even now I look back on it like, how the flip did I do all of that? <laughs> um, it was a lot. But, yeah, no, you it did was, a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> um, especially knowing what I was going through at the time. But, yeah. you know, I think that's just where I surprised myself a lot and sometimes only in hindsight like I have this weird ability to just grind through whatever comes my way and somehow sort of birth a phoenix out of the fire um and then it's only when I look back that I'm like what <laughs> so COVID like, was a very very I did that time. yeah exactly yep. <laughs> that was really that was actually really fun my family and I my kids and I participated in both of those things um, oh, and I particularly, we did, I particularly remember the Great Garden Camp out very fondly. That was a good time. We had the dogs out there. We had the kids out there. We had some snacks and it was just a good time. So thank you for thank that. You. It was a bright oh, spot. My pleasure. That's so nice to hear, you know, because I think for me, you know, so much of what I do other than the walks that I lead is it's online. <clears> it's through this screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's lovely to speak with you and hear that that was uh, a valuable experience for you. It really was. My kids enjoyed it as well. Um, they they enjoyed watching you, especially the younger one. She's thirteen now, and we'll sit and we'll watch your films and and talk about them. And she remembers the the camp out too. I told her I was going to be talking with oh. you today. She was <laughs> she was very excited. I was talking to you today. She wanted me to tell you hi from Layla. <laughs> hi Layla. <laughs> Keep getting out. <laughs> <laughs> yes she's one of the i i have several children and only two of them enjoy the out you know going out and having those types of experiences um i expose them all to it but you know some people are just indoor plants and that's okay you know so um they were all excited though that well, i was talking to you today oh that's brilliant there's actually a, i don't know the exact statistics but exposing children to the outdoors before the age of 11 it's I think it was like a 95% chance that they will come back to the outdoors by the time they're 35 so it's like as parents you know it's all or, you know uncles aunts whatever it's it's so important yes. to get our kids outside at young age and build that into their DNA almost you know it's uh and yeah. what wonderful memories to come back on you know so that's, that's cool it is nice memories I mean that it's really true I think those statistics are probably very accurate my own parents um, we, we live in Florida. It's very flat. Um, my father um, loved mountains and he often dreamed of moving to the mountains. So the closest mountains to us are Georgia and North Carolina. So we would go there often in the summer and the winter. And I particularly remember my parents taking me hiking on sections of the Appalachian Trail as a child, even though they were not particularly outdoorsy. My mother especially was not, but my dad was all for adventure. He was all down for whatever. Airplanes, motorcycles, speedboats, hiking up a mountain, like whatever. He wanted to do that. And I remember my mother reluctantly going along on these adventures, but my sister and I had such a wonderful time. And that kind of went away, you know, for a while, but it did cycle back around, like you said, when I was an adult. And realized how much those trips meant to me and how much I wanted to try to replicate that with my own kids. Mm, That's cool. So special. So 
with regard to access, um, what are your thoughts on the recent landmark ruling regarding wild camping in Dartmoor? Mm, this is a tricky one. Um, I mean, long yeah. story short, I can say, you know, the overriding feeling is it's concerning how much of a pedestal private landowners get in this country, um, particularly sort of when you look at the ins and outs, who's connected with who and why it's happening and that sort of thing, you know. So, you know, I find that that's a very negative thing. Um, I think, oh, where do I go with this? I, you know, I find it quite difficult because, you know, wild camping has it's never really been illegal. Illegal is the wrong phrase, like trespassing, you know. Is, I is, wondered. It's, yeah, it's it, it, the if you look at the ins and outs of it, essentially a landowner just has to ask you to move, move on um, if they catch you, so to speak. So you can still wild camp on Dartmoor. <laughs> Um, the only place you don't want to mess around with that is within the MOD sections. Not very nicely if they're doing military yep. training exercise with live animals. You. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and then if you think about it, like, okay, yes, cool, Dartmoor is is becoming a bit of a case study. Um, okay, cool, they've taken away part of the places we could legally wild camp. Um, but what about the rest of the country? And I think yeah. that's really, for me, why I've diced with getting involved in this or not. Like, yes, I find it very frustrating. I find far too much of this land is owned by private landowners. Um, ultimately, common ground, open access ground, can still be roamed upon freely um, because that's okay. just within the legislations and the Right to Roam Act. So uh, what I find difficult is I think a lot of people are not clued up on the rights to roam and what this this new legislation ruling thing with this chap and his land means but for me you know overall i see this as actually a very positive thing and my reason for saying that is i really hope that this can be a catalyst for change now that you know we not we don't just look at dartmoor but we look at england and wales as a whole we use dartmoor yeah. as that metaphor for the fact that you know why why can't we camp under the stars you know like and and yeah. i think the thing is we're again, we're talking about in the UK but a lot of my trails take me into you know Germany Austria Switzerland France and it's illegal to wild camp there um really you know so we're not doing anything different to any other country um except Scotland where they you know have had their particular figures yeah. in the past who have really you know, ensured that legislation was was tied in very tightly uh to ensure access to the land so yeah my my I think it's positive it's coming to people's attention I think it's positive. It's bringing people together. Um, I just think it's really important we get the right facts and words out there because otherwise it makes us look silly if we're really going to rise up against this situation. You know, I think there are definitely things to be said for wild camping being detrimental to the land. A lot of people don't realise about the impact of compaction, even just walking. You know, our pressure of the weight of our body puts pressure on the soil which can take sometimes hundreds of years to bounce back depending on how fragile or you know, particularly the alpine, alpine environment it is yeah um you know yeah you might leave no trace but it's impossible for us to leave no trace if we're moving through the land so right. i i think this is just where i sort of swing and i want to make sure i represent the right thing um i really believe that i have the power to influence a lot of minds if i really wanted to just dump an opinion out there i don't want to add to the noise i want to add to change um yeah. so I'm being careful with with where I'm putting my time and my energy but ultimately I am completely 100% behind rights to roam and access to public paths in the UK yeah what can people do to get involved in in that particular subject and in, in making sure they have access to lands 
I think one of the best, best, best things we can do is support our national parks. Um, and I think this is, again, it's where we're looking in the wrong place. We're fighting the wrong corner here. Like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let's fight private landowners. But, you know, a good friend of mine uh, is a ranger for Exmoor National Park. She lives just down the road from us. And we met up for a walk a couple of days ago. And, you know, she's telling me about all the governmental cuts to their support. And then they're going to have to cut sort of footpath maintenance and that sort of thing. And this is what I mean. It's like we're looking in the wrong yeah. place. Yes, it's the government. Ultimately, we need to be going like, come on, like, where's the money going? Why is it not going into the protection of these places? Protection means conservation. It means designations, whether it's a site of special scientific interest or an AONB or whatever it is, you know, and for, us, for, for, for me, sorry, that's my number one thing is if you really care about this issue, find a way to support national parks with what they are doing because they are already protected places so let's start right. with what we've got and bring that circle back around to supporting these guys with all of their hard work you know the number of people that volunteer they lug rocks up and down mountains to put footpaths in this problem is not going away so we need to be very yeah. tactical and practical about it um and we need to act now so you know where's your nearest national park have a look on their website there will be a get involved tab if you're not sure get in touch like people will want to hear from you so that's the first thing i would say to start with absolutely so i walked the west highland way last year and it was my first long distance trail i remember you sharing that you'd walked the west highland way with your mom in i think 2012 and that's returned cool. to walk it solo um years later how was your experience that second time around Second time was good. So much so I went back for a third time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I had forgotten yeah, about that third uh, one. That's it. It was, yeah, it was the first trail I ever did. I was 16 years old, 2012. Did it with my mum. We wow. B&B'd it. So cats then breakfast. Um, I don't know how on earth we had such big rucksacks, but we did. Um, so, you know, everyone starts somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, 2018. Uh, I went back to camp it and I stayed in campsites. Um, and that was sort of one of the newer solo trails that i did um and then 2022 that's very weird way of saying it 2022 um i went back and did it again in april as we've mentioned earlier and i wild camped it so for me the west island way has been a cornerstone throughout my personal journey when it comes to sort of evolving my skills and abilities uh, with regards to getting out onto the trail you know wild camping is not something that's come easily to me so to have mm -hmm. headed out and wild camped it has it, it's just shown that process of growth yeah um honestly i love it i do it a fourth fifth sixth time i can't recommend it enough uh something about the spirit of the trail the people yes it's a busier route but if you can embrace that for what it is there's people from all around the world um it's completely set up for hikers you know there's lots yeah. of stops along the way for coffee or some chips um it feels wild it feels remote there's so much history on the route um and then of course depending on which way you go but if you end up in fort william you've got the ben ben nevis looming over you as an optional mm -hmm. finish to get yourself to the top of the highest mountain in, in the country mainland um and oh i absolutely love it it just makes me smile every time i think about the west island way i just it's it's beautiful it's the first trail to be designated in scotland um and yep. it's very easy to see why it's been designated um so yeah if you're if you're ever thinking about doing it do it <laughs> absolutely i after walking it i understand why people walk it multiple times i i completely get it 
I'm very excited to go back and do it um, with just a, you know, just a little further into the summer because I also did. So we were out there probably around the same time. I was also there April, 2022. Um, so nice. we're probably That's out there at the same time. <laughs> yep. I, I had a lot, um, had a lot of rain, but I did have some beautiful, beautiful days. And for me coming from a very hot place, the weather was fantastic. I loved it. It was beautiful. Um, so I am quite looking forward to walking it again, but I, I can definitely see how people would enjoy walking that multiple times because I remember thinking, oh, I'll have to come back and do this next time. I'll have to come back and, and maybe this next time. Um, and I have to do yeah. Ben Nevis because the weather was so bad when I passed by, I tried to give it an extra day and that's all the leeway I had was one extra day and the weather did not cooperate. So that's something that I'm going to have to try to do next time I go. So I'm excited. It's classic. The weather's not, not behaving in Scotland, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just like every time of year, there's something different to see on that route. And I think, you know, once you've done it once, you become familiar with the twists and turns. And then it's a case of walking back through your memories when you do it that second yeah. time. And it's, uh, as always, a trail is what you make it. But um, yeah. it, it just has so much magic about it. And, it, you know, also, it's, it is, you know, even if you live in a, a flat place, it's not, it's really not the hardest trail out there. And I think that's what's nice as well, um, is yep. there's a few climbs that can challenge you, especially if you're carrying a lot. But otherwise, mm -hmm. you can really just settle into the walk, uh, make it as long or short as you want, really. Absolutely. Uh, just a little fun share. At the end of my uh, West Highway Great Glen trek across Scotland, I went into the mall there at the end of the Great Glen, um, that one mall there yeah. that's right up the street. Um, I went to grab a coffee because they had a Starbucks and I was very excited about that. And I went into that outdoor <laughs> store there because I needed, I felt like I needed a sweater or something because I was soaked. Um, and I don't quite remember the name of the store, but they had one of your videos playing up in, on the big screen. And, and really? I walked in the store. <laughs> yes, it was a big old screen in the back of the store. I can't remember what the name of the store was. They had a lot of y'all Raven stuff or however you pronounce it. I'm probably butchering it, but um and i was very excited to see an outdoor store in another country because we don't we didn't have whatever that one was called and i looked up and saw your face and i'm like oh my gosh it's happy and the lady behind the desk looked huh. at me and she goes you know abby you're from america you watch her over there she said yeah we watch her over here <laughs> oh man that's a it was nice story. that is yeah. a I yeah. thought that would be fun to share because it was nice seeing a familiar face at the end of that very long walk Oh, brilliant. I'd love to know what store that is now. I'll them an email saying, I will, sure I'm sure, <laughs> yes. They they were playing a bunch of them. It wasn't just random videos. They had like one after the other because I was there for a while. Oh, <laughs> so whoever nice. was working there was a big fan. I'm sure it would be on like the, the store list of the mall. I don't remember what the name of the mall was. I'll have to look it up. Um, Your Cumbria Way video. I'm going to be rewatching that because that is also one of the ones I have um on my list for this summer. Um, it'll be my first long distance walk in England. I've been to England before. I've just not done any walks there. I've passed through all the beautiful places and just drooled over all of them when I'm driving through going, oh God, oh my God, I don't have time to walk any of this. Um, so what would be your advice to me on the Cumbria Way? A couple tips. Wow. That's a, that's a while ago. I walked that one, 2015. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's weird how all of the trails are so etched into my <laughs> like, mental diary. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
yeah, it's a lovely trail. Uh, I seem to remember the end uh, being rather urban. I think I think that's the one where we sort of caught the bus and skipped that last bit because we had a train to catch. Um, mm-hmm. But the, you can't go wrong with Cumbria. What can I say? It's beautiful. It's hilly. Get get those legs working. Get your pack weight down as much as you can. Bring a good camera because uh, no matter the weather in Cumbria, every day is a photo day. That's what I say anyway. Um, nice. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I would also say do a little bit of research on the um, the places you're walking through as well, because the lakes has such a phenomenal history to it. You know, as a as a place, it was actually originally completely covered in trees. Um, now it's you know particularly sheep farming. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really nice to be able to to know a little bit about the culture of what you're walking through, the dry stone walls, um, and sort of the, the farming practices that go on there. And then when you're actually just out on the trail. Um, knowing a little bit more about what's going on around you like oh why is there quarry there you know oh because that's that's slate and slate was is used for this that and the other um can be quite nice so yeah just um i'll just take your time man it's uh it's lovely um i seem to remember a few sections in the summer being quite overgrown but you know that was a while ago now and i know that that trail's bumped up even more in popularity um so yeah that's what i would say with that really and i i don't remember how high it goes um are you completely familiar with the route do you know if where the highest no no i have not yeah. dove that deep into it i'm still yeah. trying to work out the bike situation with the hebrides and i realized that i'm I'm coming down to the wire here in a few months so i have not <laughs> i have not yet <laughs> yeah no fair enough um yeah no just i think as with any any route that goes over the mountains here in the uk it's there's always a low level option so be sensible in the weather if it does turn bad because lake district weather is certainly no joke um okay yeah so with regards to your bike um i don't know if you thought about whether you're going to hire on the hebrides or not but yes um, you know whether you could get something from inverness and then when you get take it on the ferry and sort of bring it back with you could be an option as well um Oh, okay. They do have a bike hire in Vera. I was looking at that. They have a few. I was looking okay. at that. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. And then for a certain fee, I think it was like 40. There's, there's not too many like resupply points. I remember. <laughs> Did hear about that. Yeah. So I'll have the panniers and everything. So hopefully I can, you know, yeah, stick everything in there. Yeah. I'm going to have to get real good at bike repair because I called them and said, Hey, um, do you guys have like rescue vehicles? Like, what if I pop a tire? What if this happens? Like, what do I do? And he says, no, no, you have to know how to do all that yourself. We can't, we're not going to come get you. So I'm like, okay, okay, fair enough. So I have to do all Cause I don't know any of that. I, I don't know any of that. So I'm going to have to learn how to do all my basic repairs and basic maintenance and stuff. And, yeah. you know, so changing tires and, and, chains that may have slipped off with these fingernails might be a problem <laughs> might be just um the hebrides is, is such a lovely community um people are so friendly so don't be afraid to stick your thumb out if you need help because people will stop awesome yeah. i'm so hoping safe. to get in on some classes before i go and like you know know how to do all that because nice. i i do like to be prepared i'm not going to show up and just go yeah. well let's hope it's going to be all right <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> Um, so leading into that, um, that kind of leads into my next question about your Abbey Bikes Britain series. 
Um, that seemed like a massive undertaking. And I know you kind of touched on it a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with Abbey Bikes Britain and how has that changed you, that experience? Well, to start with the second part of that question, I am a completely different person now and it was a bit of a baptism. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it has completely changed me. Um, I went through hell and back, it felt like, on that trip. Um, because it looked of all like the it. obstacles that came up and uh the film can only show so much um i'm really toying with writing a book about it but it's very difficult because there's certain things that i can't really share mm. um you know i think the thing is a lot of books you know you can change the story somewhat to keep it away from the truth but i don't want to lose yes. the impact of what happened and then why it changed me so much but you know to stick with it basically abby bucks britain was a cycle that took us from the northernmost point of the country to the southernmost point of the country via every national park in the UK. So there's 15 national parks, there's two in Scotland, two, three in Wales, and the rest are in England. Um, it was a real zigzag of a, of a route that we took. It took us two months or 55 days. Um, and at each national park, we got off and we walked to the highest point. So we ran that as a group event. Um, and the whole point in this, this exercise was to raise awareness about national parks and about getting outside into nature for mental and physical health, so sticking with that theme. Um, we, me and my partner is we, that's what I mean by we, um, had a very short amount of time to plan this thing, uh, just about three months to train and get ready, try and raise some money. Um, probably could have pushed it back the following year, but we decided not to do that because post COVID, this was the time to be talking about this issue. Um, once again, I would say I definitely put off more, a bit off more than I could chew in a sense that, um, I could have made this into a much bigger, shinier more public expedition um but i'm a big believer in just trusting the process and it landing up in the arms of people who need to hear it um so yeah it was madness i cycled uh, my partner drove the support van and uh we had an epic journey that's uh still being figured out to this day shall we say (laughs) it looked quite Epic. It really did. And I, I thought that it looked very real and authentic. So I, I think it came across very well. Thank you. Yeah, there was no hiding on that trip. Let's just put it that no. way. <laughs> I was feeling for you, man, on, on some of that, some of those stretches out there on that bike. Yeah. I'm like, cool boy. But I think you did really well. I, yeah. I think you hit it out of the park with that one. I do. Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a phenomenal experience. Um, I think I'd like to say I wouldn't change anything about it. I think I would, um, but it's done and dusted. Nothing wrong with that. And you know, that's <laughs> it. And then, as with everything in life, you know, it's what we choose to take from the experiences and that's right. the the perspective and lens we look at things. So um, I'm I'm super grateful for it, and and I'm quite proud of it as well. Um, both me and my partner, because we came through some serious stuff to achieve that, and we we didn't back down. So that's um, that says something, you know. It does. It really does. You should be proud. Do you prefer solo adventuring or shared adventuring? Solo. Yeah. Full stop. Same. <laughs> um, I do shared very, very rarely. Like last year, I did a hike with my friend. You know, I've done one or two with my partner, but I, uh-huh. I love being out there by myself. And I think the thing is, as well, is when I've got a camera in hand, I can't have a conversation and be shooting a film. It just doesn't work. Like, I'm so in my head creating these movies to then just actually be in real life connecting with someone else with the banter that comes. Like, one thing is always going to be compromised. So 
you know and that's always my priority is filming like i have plenty of other life to spend with with people um when i'm out on the trail that is not that time <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a thing <laughs> and i i think i upset a lot of people with that um but uh, you know i feel like i spent so much of my life denying my truth it's time to be like exactly this is my thing <laughs> see you later <laughs> this is it people that's right yeah <laughs> favorite place to hike Oh, no, that's a hard question. <laughs> I uh, imagine it is. In the UK or the world? Favorite place, period. Favorite place to hike. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Let's go with the Alps. I love the Alps for the diversity of everything going on there. And the Alps is massive, so that encompasses multiple countries and landscapes for me to enjoy. <laughs> Absolutely. I have yet to go there. I plan on it um, at least a couple years. In a couple years. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be good. Your hiking bucket list. What are your top five? <sighs> oh man. I'm um, sure there's way more, but we'll zero it down to five. Yeah, you know, I think it's um it's it's evolving for me because yes, it's about taking off trails, but I'm also just really keen <clears> to experience different cultures and countries and actually like travel a bit more. Yeah. Um I'd really like to go back and do Kilimanjaro. That was sort of the first big shoot that I ever did when I was 18. Yeah. Um, and it that was 2014, so next year's 10 years. So I'm really wow. considering if I can make that a thing. Um, mm-hmm. How do you? I'm reaching that point in my life now where it's like, whoa, things are like things are a while ago. Like <laughs> I'm getting older. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that. Um, then you know, I feel like I'd love to at some point do something like PCT or the CDT, um, but these bigger trails are not going to happen until I have a bit more freedom in my life. I currently have a few responsibilities that mean I, I don't really want to be more than a day's travel away from the UK. Um, yeah. I'd love to get up and really experience the Arctic, um, mm. you know, whether it's a trail sort of across Greenland. I always wanted to ski across Greenland. Um, there's, there's a few nice. things. It's, it's very undefined. Um, it's more a case of I look at the year, I see what I can make happen. And I say yes to the best things that that I can. Um, but also, you know, it's I find it really difficult unpicking what is a personal journey and what is a professional journey, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, it does. And that's really bringing me back to I'm in a an evolutionary phase right now where I'm sort of figuring things out um, and finding Abby within the brand that I've created and almost swallowed myself up in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think this you're onto something there with mm. say yes to the best things. I think you should yeah. write that down. Yeah. Well, my motto <laughs> for this year is no is the new yes, actually. Oh, hell yeah. Because um, I go. have thing of saying like yes to everything and then wondering yeah. why I'm so stressed out. <laughs> um, you know, because yep. saying yes is not always the right thing to do, you know? <laughs> it is not. So, it yeah. is not. And there's something to be said with just being able to chill out at home on the sofa eating popcorn. <laughs> um yes you know, it's, yeah there's um i'd Absolutely. rather have quality time out and about and a quality yes than a forced yes that i become resentful mm. about later so yeah Absolutely. You, you learn from mistakes right <laughs> yep <laughs> we hope so yeah <laughs> what is your favorite part of an adventure the planning the execution or the reflecting afterward the execution and the residue and what I mean by that is these things completely imprint themselves within my system 
and there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not pulling on something from some trail experience somewhere because they are as a part of as a part of me as my faith you know it's yeah. it's it's just a strength that I draw upon the things that the adversities and the joys and the beauty and I feel like it's the trail that keeps me humble you know I never ever ever want to be somebody whose ego gets so big that I can't sit down and have a conversation with somebody or support somebody however I can with their journey because you know I've been there when it comes to mental health probably been there when it comes to dealing with chronic pain you know been there and I think I always want to be a relatable humble kind person um so that's what I mean by that residue is I carry these experiences with me but I love being on the trail because that I mean it's not it's there's usually a proper grind like you know it hurts with my chronic pain it hurts with how much I have to push to shoot these films like people don't see that but I'm I'm sometimes quite grumpy when I'm out there um, because I take it very seriously to create a good film um but at the same time I love it and when I'm doing it well and I find my flow there's there's nothing that beats that and I think it's mildly addictive I think I have a problem actually (laughs) I have the same problem we can connect on this yes (laughs) you are not you are not no um after I came back from, I spent a month in Scotland. I took a month. Oh, nice. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the first time in decades that I was completely alone because I have a family. I have kids. My youngest was old enough for me to leave. She's a teenager. You know, she's nice. fine. Yeah. Um, and mom needed some time. Mom needed some time. So I took a whole month and um, I understood after it took a couple of days to settle in because I was so excited I didn't sleep well and I don't sleep well anyway I've suffered with chronic insomnia for most of my life um, and that's not good for your mental health either um, so I didn't sleep till about day three Wow! and after day three throughout the rest of the month um, I had such a wonderful experience I slept like a baby every single night on the cold hard ground it was fantastic. I had not slept like that in years. And I immediately went, oh, this is what's missing. This is what's yeah, been yeah, missing. Yeah. This is yeah. it. I can sleep now. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Oh, it was such a revelation. And I had some moments um, kind of hearkening back to those emotional things that we choose to put or not put in films. Um, I had some pretty emotional moments sitting up yeah. on a hill overlooking Loch Ness and just the wind and and just everything hit at once that oh my gosh this is it and I chose ultimately not to put that in my films I kind of kept that to myself um but I forgot where I was going with this but it I did I just got so caught up in the moment but I think you're right that residue Mm. that residue is a thing and it took me it has taken me and I still don't think I'm quite there yet um many months to try to integrate back so I'm very much looking forward to going back out there because I feel like that is more of the authentic me not the me that kind of is here for everyone else Mm, yeah so hearing you say that term the residue afterwards kind of went made me go oh you know what there is something to that there really is yeah 
it was a cool experience. I, I mean, it was really for, you know, I am in a different uh, bracket than a lot of people on YouTube. I'm not, you know, super young. I have lots of responsibilities and I came to these things later in life. Um, but I don't think that makes it any less, um, I don't know what the word is, any less meaningful to to me or to share my experience. So yeah. um, I really appreciate, you know, things that resonate with with that. So when you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Do you find it hard balancing normal life responsibilities with adventuring? Or is it kind of all morphed into one big thing now? Oh, no, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a, uh, oh, what can I say? How can I keep this PG? Um, yeah, you can no, say bad words. We're adults. Oh no, it's um, it's an evolution. <laughs> Some days are better than others, um, but yeah, when I say it's unsustainable, that's what I mean. Like I feel like this is my last year, potentially with this style where it's like go 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 for a heavy summer season, back to back trails, because I just hit winter and I'm slumped. And then it's like, you know, when I'm here, there's still so much to do. You know, it's it's kind of like one, just like, you know, I stay on the trail hiking with someone or filming, something gets neglected. It's the same with these adventures. Right. It's like when I'm on yeah. these shoot, real life gets neglected. You know, I don't message my friends. I don't, I'm not with my dog or my partner. I'm not looking after the home. It's just, I'm in one life or I'm in another. And it's, yeah. it's very difficult. I say there's like wild Abbey or work Abbey. And then there's Abbey Abbey. And I don't really know who Abbey Abbey is. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, so it's, uh, it's really tricky, but it, you just figure it out bit by bit, really. <laughs> Learn through mistakes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and through what works. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, we're on the, we're on the downslope now. Gear talk. I wanted to kind of talk gear because I'm a bit of a gear nerd and I'm very interested in what people carry. Um, it's said there are two types of walkers, those who would rather be comfortable walking and those who would rather be comfortable at camp. Which one are you? Both. <laughs> I believe you can have both. <laughs> um, I, I would love that. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Walking's never going to be the most comfortable thing for me because of my injury. And then... You know, like my pack is not heavy, but adding five to six kilograms of camera gear, that's where it gets uncomfortable. Um, And I'm never going to skimp on my camera kit because otherwise for me, it's pointless being out there. Um, It's not, but sometimes in my head it is. Um, Yeah. But I suppose if I had to pick one, it would be camp. I love having proper coffee. Uh, I love being able to have a brew. I like having, like I recently, like last year, I've swapped out to a wide sleeping mat. Um, which is partly, you know, to help with my back when I'm sleeping so I can roll around yeah. more, um, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's nicer. So, you know, ultimately the truth is if you carry more, you're going to be more uncomfortable walking. Um, yep. But then I think, well, that's actually a fact of strip back the miles, you know, don't walk as far. It's <laughs> um, true. And it's not going to hurt as much. And that's something that I'm also exploring, which is really hard because I like to hike a long way and feel proud of it. Right. Yeah. Hopefully that answers the question. It does what are your big three big three is in trails no the big three tent sleep system and backpack what are your top three are your big three that's what it's called over here we kind of call it the big three okay. the big three items usually the most expensive i think okay so what are the tent sleeping tent sleep system and backpack we'll go with the tent first and these are your current okay your current, um, your current setup i currently use a hillyberg ennen that's my main tent that i grab without thinking it weighs 1.1 kilograms I don't know why I know that. 
Um, it's got lots of space. It's green, quite nicely camouflaged, very easy to put up. It's dual skin, out of pitch first, um, and it's absolutely bomb proof. So that's my go-to tip. Nice. How about sleep system? Sleep system is an evolution. I have far too many sleeping bags for my own good. Um, I use a Thermarest Neo Air wide currently, um, wide regular, and then I use sleeping bag mixes between Z packs. I've just started using their sleeping bag, their standard classic bag, which has is not a mummy design, so it's sort of a bit more quilty. Um, and then I also use a Thermarest. It begins with P. It's yellow. Um, that's the other one. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I like this sleeping bag. What's your current backpack? Also Z-Packs, um, Arkhall Ultra, and that's been revolutionary for me. Love it. Very good backpack. Oh, I have the Arkhall Zip. That's the one oh, I took nice. with me. Oh, mm -hmm. cool, yeah. Good I live right very down cool. the road from them. It's it's very dangerous. Oh, I do. <laughs> right down the street. <laughs> <laughs> it is very dangerous. The number of people who came up to me um, yeah. in campgrounds and walking along the trail to comment on my backpack, and I also have the duplex. So they're, they're commenting, you know, yeah. on that, like, oh my gosh, where did you get that? Where did you get that? Cause I had no idea it was hard to get over there. Yeah. It's very hard to get over there. No yeah. idea. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't know. It's just a piece of gear. What's wrong? I'm like, oh, why is everybody staring <laughs> at me? Yeah. I had a little crowd at, at uh Bind Glass. There was a couple people around looking yeah, at the dude. tent and touching it and feeling it. You know, that campsite shut down now. I don't know if you know. Yes. That. Yeah, I've been following that. I don't know sad. what the status of it is right now. If it's still like up in the air, no one's there. Or Very sad. Yeah. Wish I had a bunch of money. Me too. It would be a great piece of property. It was beautiful. Lovely. Famous it was lovely. Spot. I hope somebody gets a hold of it that does it justice. That does, you know. Fingers crossed, yeah. Yep. Um, what is one piece of gear that you could not do without? Yeah, my camera without question. But if I had to pick proper like kit kit, um my hat <laughs> it's, it's signature to you yeah. now yeah yeah i love having a nice puffy jacket um for the end mm. of the day um you know so that's my generally speaking my patagonia um nano puff that's one of my favorite things to put on at the end of the day yep okay so the piece of gear that you couldn't do that with the camera favorite piece of gear jacket yeah i'd say so yeah, yeah. That piece of gear that you've been yes i have the the was the micro puff the, yeah, yeah. the other ones yeah, yeah i yeah. love it fantastic piece of gear that you've been eyeballing something that you've been wanting to get your hands on um i'm not obsessed with it but i am conscious of different ways i can get my kit down a little bit so then i can just chuck in an extra battery essentially mm. um so i'm looking at a couple of other sleeping bags rab who's a very big company here in the the UK, um, very ethical, which I love. They've got some nice sleeping bags for mythic ultras, which are very light and warm. My eyes on those, but otherwise, I don't tend to look at kit too much because I'm pretty content with what I've got. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's too much. A van, a new van. I'm always looking for a new van. <laughs> nice. Do you are you planning on doing the whole van life thing for a little bit? I, I have a van actually. Um, yeah. Which I reach around in, but. I kind of just see it as like, well, I wouldn't shoot a film around my house, so why do I need to shoot a film around my van, if you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's a very private, special place. It's uh, when, when you come on my walks that I run, like, you know, obviously people get to see my van then, but otherwise, yeah. it's, it's one of those things I just don't feel the need to put on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to keep something to yourself. 
I tried to hit one of your walks last last summer when I was over there. I didn't quite make it. I'm like, damn. Oh, shame. One of these days. It's a it's yeah. a goal of mine. It's a goal of mine. I'll hit up I'll hit you up on one of your walks. That'd be lovely. As someone who's accomplished so much already, what is next for Wild and for Abby in 2023 and beyond? To learn to breathe better into my body by taking the stress Ooh. off my shoulders. Less is more. I'm it's a, very important. I'm a, head first get the job done kind of person grind beyond boundaries and it's i'm starting to see the faults in that so um yeah, yeah just have time to really be able to smile and be present so it's a great undefined goal but it's more of a practice that i'm looking to really cultivate Good for you what do you wish everybody knew about the outdoors make it yours I think, you know, this is where it's like, cool, yeah, I'm a creator, I share stories, but that doesn't mean you have to do what I do. Do what you want to do. You know, if you want to cycle, if you want to run, if you want to just sit and be, like, do artwork, like, make it yours. Um, have your mentors or the people that inspire you, but get tapped into your heart and your body and your soul and your spirit. Like, being out in nature is a beautiful spiritual experience if you're willing to be vulnerable enough to let go. Um so I'd say, like, cultivate that practice. Give yourself the space and permission to get out however you need. And, you know, if you're somebody who comes from a hardcore background, you know, leave the watch behind. Don't track things, you know. Don't feel the need to put it on social media. Make it about you. Um, and I would say always be grateful because this world is so fragile. And through every action we take, we impact the natural world in a positive or a negative way so build that consciousness and if you can do what you can to help conserve the wild spaces that we do have for future generations as well so we have reached the end we made Brilliant. it that was fantastic if, yay if you at this point would like to plug your social medias uh website walks anything i'd like you to kind of run through everything that you have any thing people can check out about you register for what anything just go like let's let's have you well, just plug I, everything. i'd say the hub is just my website which is spend more time in the wild.co.uk you can find everything on there from my youtube channel to my podcast to my patreon community you know if, if you feel like you'd like to support me with my work that's the number one way to really contribute sort of funds to help me shoot these films um but everything i offer is free and will always be free so um, the website under Get Involved, you can find the walks as well to get stuck into that I run in person. Um, wherever you are in the world, if you'd like me to come and give a talk, you know, I do remote and in-person sessions, sort of really helping bring workforces together um, through this common message. But ultimately, I'd say my, my takeaway thing is just that this isn't about me. Let this time be about you. If you've taken the time to listen to this wonderful podcast, you know, then massive pat on the back to you because you've crafted the space for yourself with listening so continue on that journey and keep crafting space for your own growth because this is our life and we've got to live it that's right thank you so much i enjoyed chatting with you my pleasure it's been wonderful thank you mm -hmm.